This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and we have James Britt. He's the owner at Britt Films. Incredibly fortunate he took time out of his day to come see us. James, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, James, tell us a little bit about your business and who you serve. Absolutely. Um, so I'm the founder and owner of Brit Films. Uh, it's a freelance cinematography and filmmaking business. Um, primarily, I shoot digital videos um, for hire, I guess I would say, all kinds of things. So anything ranging from businesses who need a commercial, a web ad, and ad campaign, um, organizations need promotional videos, interviews, um, personal services like, um, let's say, wedding videography. I shoot music videos for bands, all kinds of things. Um, specifically, I identify as a cinematographer, which... Um, a lot of people don't know what that is, but uh, I'm sure they've heard of videographer. And usually when you think of videographer, it's just someone that's capturing the video. A cinematographer would differ in that um, more than just capturing the video, they are trying to add an element of cinematic technique, cinematic look to it. So the angles, the shots will be a little bit prettier. Um, to put it more, <laughs> well, very I'm, simply. I'm going to need a lot of cinematography <laughs> to make me pretty, I'm telling yeah. you. In everything that I do... I try to give it an artistic appeal so that more than just uh, you captured whatever we needed recorded, it looks great. It looks really good. Um, actually, I try to make everything look more like a movie is, is the way that I put it. And so uh, I would say that uh, I'm doing these services for anybody who needs video. I can't think of anyone or any, any type of organization that I, I wouldn't be able to benefit if they had a video need. You know, backing up a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, and thinking about as you grew up, were you always drawn to cinematography? You know, I wish, I wish. Uh, <laughs> I'm reminded in, uh, in film school how many times the professor would ask something to the class about, uh, you know, uh, hey, you guys, it's the first day of the semester. Tell me about yourself. And how many people would say, I knew when I was four years old that I wanted to be a <laughs> filmmaker and my dad got me this uh, Super 8 camera or this old Polaroid photography camera or something. And uh, I wish I could say that. I didn't. I wanted to be a rock star or a psychologist or an English teacher, hairstylist for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of all over the board. But um, my mom did have a video camera. And uh, I'd love to say that the moment I picked it up, I knew. But uh, I picked it up and I thought it was fun. And then I got bored of it. It was just something that I happened to keep getting drawn toward. Mm -hmm. And then uh, eventually <laughs> the way that I, I decided I wanted to go into it was um, I was uh, in my volunteer or my spare time, I was volunteering at a local church to where I lived. And I was, uh, I knew how to play guitar and I was helping the, the high school age group by playing guitar and helping with the band. And every time we'd get a new teenager who had to play an instrument, they needed to learn how to do the songs that we did. And I got tired of teaching the exact same songs over and over and over again. So I figured, you know what, I should just record this. Um, YouTube was out. It was um, getting popularity. And I figured, you know, it's free. I could put something on there. I found a point-and-shoot camera I had with a video function. I tried to use it. Um, made a simple little video that ended up getting thousands of views. I meant for it to just be for, you know, I direct a kid to it. But at the time, I mean... Everything was just public on YouTube, and so I got some views, and I got to thinking maybe I should do some more to dress this up. And as I did that, I found I really like 
making the image look good. And from there, it just progressed, getting more equipment, getting better software, learning what I can until now it's it's my greatest passion. So wh- where did you take and get your formal training? Uh, I went to Full Sail University out of Winter Park, Florida, just out of uh, Orlando. Okay, and for the folks that may not be familiar, it's well-known, is it not? Uh, it's very well-known in... I would say media-based industries. So, they um, a lot of the students that come out of there, or the grads that come out of there, go into the film industry. They go into music production, live and recording production. Um, a lot of game designers, uh, graphic artists, all kinds of all kinds of media. In fact, so many people that uh, graduate from Full Sail are in all sorts of industries. If you call them, <laughs> uh, they're Instead of just waiting music, hold music while you're waiting for someone to pick up, it's just prattling off about, you know, this full sale grad uh, just won a Grammy for working on Pharrell Williams' latest album, mm. or this this full sale grad just worked on Transformer Five, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was because of success stories like that that I knew that that was where I had to go to get my training. As the owner of Brit Films, there, you know, for the folks that are out there going like, you know, I, I have this affinity for videography or cinematography. And you've got your business going. Um, what you guys can't see on the podcast is we're surrounded by his equipment. <laughs> and I obviously have a shiny nose. I didn't get my makeup squared away. And so, um, like you said, cinematography is supposed to make us look prettier. Uh, he has his work cut out for him with <laughs> me. But what advice might you offer to that budding videographer that's thinking about going down the road that you might have gone and how you thought about marketing your business. Mm -hmm. It's an excellent question. Um, Actually, I have a great deal of passion for teaching anything that I've learned. And even though I'm I'm young, uh, relatively inexperienced compared to Hollywood gurus and and, other people who probably have 10 million reasons for why anything that I say is inferior to whatever they could say. But when I learn something I feel is good information... I love to share it, and as a result, I've had uh, several people online, like on Facebook, through my website, um, various places on social media, reach out to me and say, hey, I saw your stuff. I was just curious if you'd tell me what camera you're using, and as soon as I respond to them with more than just listing off a model number and they realize I'll give them some answers, I have I, I regularly have people messaging me, hey, I just shot this video. Um, can you watch it and tell me what you think? Can you give me some tips? Um, I would say that some of the questions that I'm asked the most from other cinematographers or filmmakers who are just getting started, who, for them, they're really just in the concept phase of mm-hmm. getting this path uh, underway, it's um, how easy is it? And uh, the answer is is not very. <laughs> it's it's very. It's uh, very difficult, actually, in a number of aspects. It's difficult from the perspective of um, it's going to cost you a lot out of pocket. So unless you just happen to have some financial backer who's supporting your dream, it's, uh, prepare to, to max out some credit cards or to to pull some extra shifts if you can or some odd jobs, but whatever you can to, to get that equipment. Um, from the perspective of using this skill set um, to gain money, you absolutely can, but you you really have to work at it. You have to market yourself, brand yourself, put your name out there, be producing good work consistently and letting people know that that is something that you do because um, so many people from film school, friends of mine even, um, they 
since graduation still have done nothing with their education, nothing with their degree. Um, the camera that they use all throughout film school is sitting in a closet collecting dust because they can't find a way to actually put this knowledge into application in any sort of way that pays the bills. And uh, so you really do have to look for it. And a lot of times you have to kind of make those opportunities for yourself, show people why it's useful, show people, you know, this is what you're missing out on. I offer it. You can have this. Let's work together. Um, and so I like to give newer cinematographers um, advice that I, I guess I would say would be um, prepare for a long haul. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. You better like it. <laughs> uh, you better do it even when you don't like it, like with editing a very long video that takes weeks more than you expected or uh, when you foolishly take on your first like a wedding video and uh, they say hey all I have is a hundred dollars will that work and you're just thinking hundred bucks wow that's great I haven't made any money doing this that sounds like a deal and then uh, it's a month later and you're just realizing what did I sign up for there's so much to go through and you know um, <laughs> you really don't learn a lot of it until you actually do it there's a lot that I could say that you're just going to have to experience it before you you, you understand it you know, so for, for that budding business person mm -hmm. slash videographer slash cinematographer, um, what would be the target market that maybe would be the top two or three markets that you would pursue mm -hmm. uh, to try to take and start creating cash flow first? So as entry-level markets, um, I have found churches are actually um, an excellent market for newer cinematographers because – the rise of social media, things like YouTube, Vimeo, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, places uh, where you can't scroll through without seeing dozens of videos, whether they're short little six or seven second videos that make you laugh or, you know, full on like feature films or documentaries that are just right there that you just click on. Um, people have come to expect that, that any reputable organization, person, um, brand, that they have videos represent themselves. And churches in particular, um, they've noticed that. And not all churches have the financial ability to hire someone who could make professional videos. A lot of times, smaller churches or even medium-sized churches, they, they'll, I mean, they'll ask people in the in the group, hey, does anyone have a camera? Know how to shoot it? The, the pastor would like to just make a fun video to play at the start of the service for you know for Christmas or uh, or something for new people to watch. And um, usually, there's someone with a camera who's willing to to fumble through it. <laughs> Everybody's got a video nowadays with a cell phone. Yeah, well, it's hard to 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 do that and post a video, and then you see another church that it's it's like a professional video mm. that compels you to want to be a part of their community and so well done and polished where you're just wondering, how did they do that? And so um, for the cinematographer that is looking for where he can gain practice on the job, um, for clients that typically, their standards are usually relatively low because like I said, the alternative is just Joe Schmo in the congregation with an old camcorder that just knows how to stick on a tripod and that's it. Um, so if a cinematographer can come in with even just a simple like a four or $500 DSLR camera with an interchangeable lens um, 
that has some fancy depth of field or they at least know how to, okay, I don't have any lighting equipment, but I know how to position you in front of a window during the right time of day to where I don't need it. Um, all it takes is one video like that to really uh, show them your value and have them continue using you. And even though they might not be able to hire you as a full-time person, this could turn into a regular thing. And now all of a sudden you have an ongoing client. Well, let's shift gears just a little mm-hmm. bit. And for the business owner, um, you've worked with other business owners. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of the business owners, they don't understand necessarily the benefit or the the magnitude or gravity mm-hmm. of a well-done video. Mm-hmm. Walk us through basically an approach with a business where, you know, before they were doing this and after we did this, and this is the result of me being able to bring a cinematography mm-hmm. effort for their benefit. You know, funny thing is, uh, though we're talking about businesses, the first thing that come to mind is, is actually a band. Well, <laughs> band could, is could, a business. Well, there was a particular band. Um, when I was first getting started, uh, and this would actually be one of the other markets I'd say that, that really works for up-and-coming, you know, newer cinematographers. Um, bands, much like any other organization or group, are all about advertisement. They they need their sound heard. They need people to buy their demos and their T-shirts and bumper stickers, but only if people know them or come to their shows. And so they need advertisement. And video is an excellent medium for advertisement. Um there was one band when I was first getting started before I had even made a penny off of the skills. And it was really just, uh, I was still trying to decide, is this just something I like or is this something I want to pursue? Um, I happened to be a friend with the singer of the band and they were trying to get themselves known. And so they'd started a YouTube channel and they had um, created a Facebook page, places for people to go that just everybody does. But the thing was people weren't going. I mean, you still need people to know you to get there. Um, the videos that they were doing were typically recorded on their cell phones or um, you know, borrowed cameras, camcorders, where a review said this is the best budget camera for under $150. But you know, um, I came in and I told them, hey, I'm still trying to figure this out, but I think that uh, if you guys are willing to let me kind of try out some things with you. I'd be happy to give you what I make free of cost. And uh, we did that for a while, actually. We did some live performances. We did some just humorous videos. They wanted to take like the comedy route. They realized the comedy really attracts people to the charisma of the band or just wanting to see, oh, what comes next? Um, there's something just about funny videos that gets people to, to watch them and share them. And so we did a few of those. Um, and then... I decided I really wanted to try and make my first music video. Like, let's make something that looks good. Um, we referenced a lot of music videos <laughs> to see what did we like versus what could I do. <laughs> um, given that I was one person, my equipment at the time was very minimal, very basic, just one camera, a couple lenses that were considered on the cheaper end of the spectrum compared to professional lenses. And... Uh, I came up with what I believed I could do, added a little bit of ambition to it for what might push it further than what I've done before. And uh, we found a space where we could shoot the video. We dressed it up just with a bunch of black cloths. We got um, 
<laughs> we really tried to just guerrilla make this video. We got some construction lamps that were very cheap compared to professional constant lighting uh, equipment for photographers. These construction lamps were like 20 bucks for 500 watts of light. <laughs> we just got a bunch of them and decided, no, we're not going to use this to, to light the scene. Instead, we're going to use it as a light source flashing into the lens so it just flares everywhere and let's get a fog machine and just make this look epic i'm one guy so i can't do multiple camera angles at once but we can do a lot of takes and i can cut it to make it look like i was everywhere at once and um they i mean heck it was free for them so no objection no downside um and we did it and uh i was so eager to to get this finished product to them to just uh, to work on it to edit it and it it worked exactly as I thought by the time it was done I had people asking me like how many cameras did you use it was just me one time or one camera so many takes uh, into three in the morning we were shooting I had that video done inside of I want to say 48 hours I was shocked um, but they posted that video and not only did it get tons of views, but they were able to share that video as their first professional anything um, that was non music related. <clears throat> And uh, anytime that they were interviewed for like a, an article, an online magazine, or anything like that, they could share this. Like, oh, this was an example of our of our band. Um, they were able to put on their website. I was complimented when a heckler on YouTube. I read the comment that they had put on their YouTube video that they said that they were led to this band because they were recommended by some indie music promoter, some independent like uh, bands. And he goes, how is this indie? This looks so professional. I don't think he meant it as a compliment. I think he meant it as in like, hey, I want to see like the folk bands, like not these pro bands. And the best compliment I can ever get is, you know, this looks so professional. This looks like a movie. And so um, they were very pleased and I was happy to to continue working with them for a while. And then that, of course, experience helped me to eventually start working with other bands, other clients, start making money, stop doing the free work. But uh, that was all necessary to, to kind of get to that step. You know, I, I think about the legwork and paying your dues, and mm-hmm. you hear it all the time, you know, and, and they go, well, geez, you're an overnight success. And you go, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe not, mm-hmm. you know, an accumulation of steps. So shifting gears a little bit, we're going to go through a series of questions that we okay. always try to take and cover so everybody understands you better. Go ahead. You know, so for you, uh, what is the most recent book or most influential book has altered your perception on being a business owner or how you run your business and why? So as far as books, most of the books that I've read that apply to what I do are less toward the business side and more toward the application of cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, I could list several books that have helped me oh, that'd be awesome. with, uh, with learning. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the title one. There was a photography book that I got that I they did, they should have marketed toward photographers and videographers because it was so interchangeable. But um, it was marketed for photographers. It was a uh, how to <laughs> apologize. It's, it's an explicit title, but it's how to shoot in shitty lighting, um, and <clears throat> specifically it talks about how to capture amazing looking images when you have little to no control over the lighting environment, whether it's inside of an office or it's outside and the sun is just bearing down on you or there's no sun at all and it's low light or overcast or mixed lighting, all these types what, of conditions. What you're telling me is normal. <laughs> yeah. When, normal when, lighting. When you can't get in your professional light kits. And so that was very important for me mostly because it helped me to um, – understand that it was less about the gear that I have, even though I'm very appreciative of the gear that I have, and more about 
how I work with what I have. You know, I, I think that applies to a whole lot more than lighting, for sure. You know, for looking over uh, your business, what failure or at the time apparent failure has served you or your company best or set you up for the future achievement that you've got and why? I would say maybe not the number one failure, but the, the one that comes to mind at the moment is um, I'm very much so a perfectionist. It is very hard for me not to try to exceed and excel at anything that I do or if I say I'm going to do something to not do everything humanly possible to see it through and make it happen. Um, I strive for excellence. And as a result, when I was first starting out, what I knew looked good versus what I could produce did not add up. <laughs> it was not the same. It was not equal. Um, and so for the first several years of me trying to promote myself, I was, I was really doing it with an arm and a leg tied just because I wouldn't publicize any of my work. I'd talk about it. I'd show behind the scenes photos or maybe capture a still frame from like a video that I did, even if I was very proud of it or got a lot of praise about it. I would always watch it anywhere from the next day to a month later. I would just be able to pick apart everything that I should have done better, that I should have done, you know, like, oh, why did I think to use that? Why, why didn't I tell him to do this? You know, why did I edit it like that? Why did I use the song? Um, and because I always felt like, no, ne next time, next time will be better. I would hold back from posting publicly any video. So when people would ask, hey, I hear you do this kind of work. Can I see some examples? I'd have no place to send them. Um, I had a Facebook page about video with still images and no videos. And it was just because I'd always hold on until I felt like, no, I, I need to be at a certain level. And really, I feel like I denied myself a lot of advertisement, a lot of opportunities where uh, maybe someone without asking me directly to, to send them like a link, maybe a private link to something, someone who would have just stumbled upon um, my page or someone else who referred me and they looked me up, but they never communicated with me. They look and find nothing and then just keep moving on and all the opportunities I, I potentially missed just by not having something out there. And once I realized that um, regardless of whether or not I could do better in the future, I will always be able to do better in the future. Yeah, so, your 100th episode <laughs> is going to be better yeah, than your 20th. Absolutely. And so I just had to kind of... I think the term is bite the bullet. <laughs> I don't know what the right term is, but to just suck it up and start sharing what I made. Now, fortunately, I'm doing enough videos nowadays to where I don't have to post everything, um, but posting maybe a video um, that I'm proud of once every month or two um, after I've had several videos. I, I have a Vimeo page full of videos, and on my website that I created uh, from scratch, um, I'm able to select specific ones where I'm like, okay, I'm sure I could do it better, but of what I've got that I really like, that everyone else seems to think is great and I'm just being picky, what do I want to use to promote my work that I think is an excellent example of how I do what I do? And so um, now I have a portfolio I'm proud of, but I, I always tell people, you know, if this is what you can do, show it. Show everybody because it'll always get better, but at least they know what they're going to get or what they could get if they work with you. Minimum viable product. Get it out the door. <laughs> If you could put an ad on page one of the local paper sharing your company message or advice, what would it say and why? Oh, I'd probably opt for an ad 
in some sort of video platform instead. <laughs> um, but uh, what would it say and why? You know, I, I actually worked on something kind of similar to what I would like to say. I've, I've been thinking about something like that. Uh, on my website, um, or actually on, on anywhere where you can find my work, so Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, um, I try to have, on any place that lets me pin a, a video or post at the very top, like this is the first thing you see. And the one that I'm using is something I call my video resume. <laughs> um, I can't say video resume is a, a new idea, but I feel like the way that I have approached it, I, I haven't really seen that. Um, maybe someone else is doing it, but I, I haven't bumped into it. Um, the video resume, if you think of a movie trailer, where in two minutes or less they're trying to promote a movie enough to get you to want to go to theaters and see it. I made one of those for me, <laughs> where I'm not just saying, hi, my name's James Britt, you know, my favorite color is, is blue and I love applesauce. Like, no, it's, um, I'm talking about the why behind what I do, why I like it, why I love it, why this is what I want to do, why people have worked with me, people would want to work with me, why I'm going to continue to do this no matter what, why I try my hardest, and just all this why. So there's a lot of um, my passion in it, and, and the music track I put behind it uh, kind of meets that and enhances the video. And so you walk away from this video resume understanding more of me as a person, of if you hire me, if you work with me, if I'm going to be delivering some sort of product that you've requested to you, you understand the the kind of gumption, the the force, the the energy, the effort, the eye, everything I'm going to put behind it. So even if I haven't done that specific thing before, you know who's making it. Um, the why before the what? Yeah, that would be if I could somehow get that and maybe a, a digital digital newspaper. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That would that would probably be what I would want out there. What's the best investment in either time or money that's helped your company most, and why? I would say. Um, there's actually a gadget I got. Um, this is going to sound like a, an advertisement for the, the gadget, but I'm in no way uh, sponsored, though I would love to be for this product. Um, this company named Atomus out of Australia, they produce um, digital recorders. Uh, it looks like a monitor, external monitor, but it, uh, it can actually record into it. So if you're used to cameras recording onto an SD card or compact flash card or an internal hard drive, doesn't matter. This thing records it. But what makes it so special is that it um, bypasses the compression settings of the camera, which are usually meant to compress very tightly because, I mean, you don't have a computer-sized hard drive inside of a camera. You've got like a little 16 gigabyte, 32 gigabyte memory card in there. So unless you want to completely exhaust your storage space with one video, it's got to compress it. As someone who is more than just a cinematographer, I'm also um, something called a colorist, which... Uh, it's, that would probably be one of the things that sets me apart from other cinematographers. Um, you know, some cinematographers, uh, you know, they're great at directors or they can act or they, they, they have something else to offer. Mine would be that I'm also a colorist. And what that is is uh, if you think about um, film stock, how you would have to develop the film and you'd have um, someone give it a chemical treatment and that would give it the, the look for the video or, well, the film. It's the digital version of that. I'm giving it the look. I can make things look a certain way. So, like, let's say it was a bright, sunny day. What if we want it to look gloomy? What if we want it to look like nighttime? What if we want it to look golden, black and white, whatever? Um, and so I'm able to do it on very specific levels. Well, this recorder, because it bypasses 
the high compression rate of the camera, it, um, it lets me capture all of this data that to a novice would be completely useless. But uh, the data behind the image in the right kind of advanced processing software allows me to manipulate it in all kinds of ways where, I mean, if, if this was a very shadowy image, I could make it look bright as day. I could make, you know, you know however I want to make it look. That's, that's how they do it in Hollywood and Los Angeles, places like that where they make, you know, the industry standard in videos. They, they would have a professional color. So for someone who wants to take his videos the next step, so it's not just a pretty image out of the camera, but I can go beyond that, far beyond that. This device has really opened that up to me, and I'm surprised by how few people know about it or know this type of thing exists and how there's a little bit of a learning curve, but once you get past it, it steps up the quality of, of your product and the skills that you develop while learning it um, prepare you for the next step of the industry. I mean, um, I've been now working on a, in an ultra-high-definition environment and Ultra HD still isn't the standard just yet. Even though you can buy plenty of those TVs at Best Buy and Walmart, um, I'm already in a workflow where once that becomes a standard, much like HD became the standard, um, I've been doing it for years now. <laughs> so that's a good tool for you. Yeah, absolutely. For you, what is your most unusual habit or what others may consider out of the ordinary that has helped you or your company most? <laughs> Something, something that I that I actually do that I didn't realize I did until um, early 2017. I was working on a, a narrative short film. Um, it was called The Hypnotist, and I had a, a small crew, some actors, and we were filming it. And uh, I was a director and the director of photography for it. Um, while I was working on it, we had to. I, I like to storyboard as much as I can in advance um, for anything where there's going to be a narrative aspect, and what that means is um, like a storytelling type of aspect. So as opposed to an interview mm-hmm. or um, a commercial, well, standard commercial, or like a performance-style music video, a narrative um, would be something where well, there is beginning, middle, and end, but you, you see some sort of story arc. Uh, so movies would be the best example of a narrative type of video. Um, I like to visualize not just what I want happening in the shot, but how do I want the shot to look? Is, this, is that moment going to be a close-up? Is it going to be a wide shot? Is, am I going to have some movement in it? Does the camera dolly pass? And so because I like to plan so much in advance, um, it can be a big benefit because so long as I can stick to it when it comes to production, uh, it looks exactly as I had prepared. There, there are no surprises. But in the many, 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 many times where there are hiccups during production, where things don't work, the location doesn't work, the lighting doesn't work, or we don't have, you know, this looks so much better in my head than it did, um, I have to be prepared to, to just work on the spot. And I can do that. But uh, my boom mic operator <laughs> pointed out to me that apparently whenever I am trying to solve something visually on the spot, I, I don't know if I black out or something, but I start to use my hands. Like, I stop talking for a moment, I use my hands, and it's like I'm worried, like if you've seen Iron Man, where Tony Stark is is working on some 3D virtual whiteboard where he's moving things around. I'm doing that, but there's nothing in front of me, and I'm not talking to anybody. Um, (laughs) And I I know what I'm doing, but I didn't realize it's so noticeable, but uh, I'm, I'm in my head, I'm, I'm like framing the shot. I'm, I'm basically acting as if I'm at my, my editing station, uh, like zooming in, cropping, I'm moving it, I'm, I'm, 
visualizing how is this going to cut, how is this going to play into it. Like uh, if I shoot from this angle, will that completely throw it off? And just trying to make sure that it all works out. Kind of like a mathematician doing sure. the math in his head um, when the formula didn't add up uh, Your at visual. the start. Your visual yeah, guy, obviously. But it, it helps me. And as a result, I've, I've gained a reputation as someone who can um, shoot for the edit, as they put it. So instead of getting all this footage and then afterward figuring out how do, how do we make it look good, um, I'm shooting and I already know exactly how I want to cut. So that, that's why I'm able to edit so, so quickly because I've already seen it before it's gone to my computer. That's an interesting skill set. Over the past few years, what belief or protocol have you established in your company and how has it most impacted you or your company's success? There are a few answers I could give to that, um, but I feel like this might be counter to, uh, to anyone who might be listening where they're looking for advice on how to gain more money doing what they do. Um, but just as someone who has a great deal of passion in what he's doing and just happens to gain a profit from it, um, establishing for myself and more so to my wife, that uh, it's not about the money. Um, that, that changed a lot just because when I was first starting, well, it wasn't about the money because there was no money when I was first starting. But the goal was at some point there will be money. And then once you start to get it, you know, you get all this advice from other people. Oh, your work is so good. You should be charging this much. Actually, I was just shooting a wedding um, a week and a half ago. And uh, the bridal party or the wedding party, I think is the correct term. They were very impressed with the equipment I used, how I was everywhere, how they didn't even notice me getting these shots. It was like a ninja with a camera. Um, and by the end of it, when everything was done, the bride and groom had driven off, everyone applauded. They're on their way to, to Mexico for a honeymoon. And I'm packing up my gear. I was actually approached and um, I was just asked about, you know, how much do you make and this and that. And the response was just, you need to be charging a lot more. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that meant like, hey, you should be charging our brother who, for whom you're shooting this video, like charge him some more. Um, but a lot of times it is the idea that um, in this industry that because movies or videos can grow so much or because it's advertisement and they can make so much money um, in the long run um, for the client, that even though it seems like a lot for a simple thing like a video because it's so well done um, because of the investment I put into it with the equipment, with my time, with the, the consistent quality that I provide that I should be charging so much. And I like to charge fairly, but the concept of it's not about the money has allowed me to accept different projects where... Um, if I was unwilling to sell myself short, I guess, I would not have done them at all and they would not have led to other connections or networking um, opportunities. They would not have led to, well, I mean, if you, if you look at my portfolio, you see a variety of types of work that I do. And so, although I always like to start the conversation with you know, more so standards of what I'm expecting as far as compensation or what I think this is worth, I'm always willing to work with people. I don't want to be the one where just because they couldn't afford me, I can't make this happen for them. And I really believe in whatever they're trying to promote through a video. Um, it's also helped me as well to just, uh, I feel, not get consumed with constantly being, you know, 
just driven by the money. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd love to make more money. If someone wants to offer me a big tip, I'm not going to say no. I might politely say, you don't have to, as I take it. Um, (laughs) And I would love to do larger and larger and larger projects where the expectation is uh, a large compensation for someone that does what I do. But I don't ever want to get to the point to where I refuse to work with people that can't afford me if there is some mutual benefit or if it's just, I don't know, maybe just as a humanitarian in me, as as some way that I can benefit other people. I I love knowing that whether with my skills, um, through conversation or anything, that I'm able to walk away from another person knowing that I have somehow benefited them and where they're going. That's an interesting perspective. Not terribly common nowadays. (laughs) You know, for you, What's the most common misconception that folks have about what you do? That it is simple. (laughs) Um, A lot of times I'll be asked to, (laughs) this is funny, actually a follow-up answer to my last answer to your question. Um, A lot of times when someone is unwilling to pay a reasonable rate, um, not because they can't, but just because they don't feel like, oh, it's just a video, uh, I mean, how hard can it be? They believe that I shoot the video and it comes out of the camera. Just look in the way that it does. It's just the camera. I mean, we don't even need the guy. We just don't have that specific camera. Otherwise, we do it ourselves. Um, and they don't realize that it's so much more. Or like, for example, going back to weddings, a lot of times um, the cost of a wedding video can really surprise people. Uh, people are, expect to pay sometimes thousands of dollars for like a wedding photographer, because, I mean, it's a wedding photographer. Everyone's paid that. Wedding videography, on the other hand, that's new. And so, oh, that, that can't be too much. I mean, because we're getting hundreds of photos from this photographer. We're just getting a couple minutes of video from this one guy or, you know, maybe even longer. Um, that, what, what is that? Maybe like 150 bucks or something when really I would say like the average nationwide for, for a high-quality video that ranges three to five minutes for that, that's um, like a romantic very well done recap of the entire day um, probably goes for around $1,500. And you say that price and people are shocked because all they think is it's just one day of work. You know, as, as you not. talk about that, <laughs> as you talk about that, and so you've mm-hmm. got a day's worth of video, mm-hmm. raw video, what do you think your average edit time is on that much footage? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it depends on the product, um, on the project, but with that specific one, so with a day's worth of footage, uh, like at the last wedding, I filmed for about a nine-hour day. I got behind the scenes um, before the ceremony, got some shots of the bridal party as they were putting on makeup, just some some nice stuff that would maybe be a surprise for like the groom when he sees a video or family or anyone who really cares about like the bride but didn't get to be there for that special moment. And then the same, I got some uh, video of the groom when he first saw the bride before the ceremony even started. Um, and there was no one there to, to witness this moment, but I had the camera and now everyone can. And I stayed all the way until after the ceremony, like I said, when they had left and just got some remaining shots of some couples dancing and, and things like that. And so I ended up with hours of footage and they were all very good shots. It's, it's not like photography where very often you take a thousand photos and maybe 50 of them are good. <laughs> um, a lot of the shots that I get, because it's video, I have to know how to have entire moments, seconds, mm. minutes even, be good all the way through. And so from there, it's it's a matter of now sorting through it, 
putting it together in, am I going to do this chronologically, like from getting in? Am I going to do it in some kind of story kind of way that makes it like, this isn't exactly the order I filmed it or how it happened, but this tells a better story. Um, I have to pick like a music track. Um, you know, so often people ask for for licensed music, like a, like Photograph by Ed Sheeran or mm-hmm. you know something like that, and they don't understand. Yeah, that would be great, but uh, if you put it uh, somewhere publicly, um, you're toast. Exactly. Or I would be because I made money off mm-hmm. of it. So I have to find music to which I can purchase the rights and license to, mm-hmm. you know, to reproduce for profit. And, um, and then I have to time all the edits to, to not just like, I'm cutting it because it looks best here, but it looks best. That was a precise moment. It works in time with the music. It works in the arc of, of everything. And so, and not only that, but then I'm, you know, deciding between, oh, these two shots are great, but I can only use one, and this one kind of does the trick. And so a lot of it isn't just how do I make something look pretty, but it could look so great, no matter how many how I edit it. And well, no, that's not true. It could look very wrong if I edit it wrong, but um, making it look as best as possible based on how the day actually turned out and how I believe they will like it. And uh, normally. Um, this like a, a, a for like a three to five minute video, the quote is anywhere from uh, three weeks to a month and a half to wait for the video. Um, but like I said, I'm I'm remarkably fast. <laughs> I don't mean to to boast about it, but I am very fast at it. And so, uh, depending on the workload at the time, and I just happened to have a very wor- low workload at that time. Um, I was about to take on another project, so I wanted to get it done. I was able to deliver that kind of polished video to them inside of 48 hours. That didn't mean it was less work. It just meant that I worked really hard in a short you know, amount of time. And I think about my limited edit experience on a video years ago, trying to use iMovie and Apple. It was forever. <laughs> I never want to be an editor. It's, 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 a, it's an acquired taste. And sometimes the longer you're editing the same project, the more you start to to resent the project and want it done. But so long as it's a, it's, work worth doing if it's a project you really appreciate um, and I, I, I mean that's not always the case but I really like to take on projects where either there's something about it that captures my interest or if it doesn't at first but I want to work with this client um, how can I make it work for their purposes but capture my interest because once my interest is there I'm going to want to stay up late editing it I'm going to yeah. want to work overtime doing this I'm going to want to get it to them faster than they expected you know I'm going to want to exceed all expectations and so trying to make it interesting which was back to some of that previous problem on, on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah. okay looking back over the past few years what should you have said no to <laughs> um you know, so many of these answers could probably sound like contradictions to other answers. Well, that's fine. But it's it's really just you know figuring out how to spin all these different plates, how to create a balance between you know it's not that the water is too hot or too cold or lukewarm. It's just sometimes it's hot and sometimes it's cold. Um, knowing when to say no to a project that there is very little gain, uh, very little to no money. Um, I've already done this type of project so many times, so it's it's not going to offer me anything in the w- in the way of like a new addition to my portfolio. Um, it's going to mean a missed opportunity that could have given me gain, mostly because of the time that it would take to complete it. Uh, a lot of times, kind of like how I said um, when I was first starting out, I worked with a band and I made videos for them for free. I did that type of thing with several different people, where I felt like working with them gave me experience, it gave me opportunities to put things that I was learning 
by myself before film school into action, or even during film school, things where it was more, to me, experimental. Um, but it's hard to break that habit for yourself and then for the people who expect a free video. And then to say, hey, these videos are turning out pretty good now. Um, this is at the level that people would pay for, and it actually has been for a little bit. Do you think it'd be fair to maybe start compensating me for my work? Because if I wasn't doing this, you would have to pay someone else to do it. And so um, it can get very hard to have those conversations a lot of times because usually you've, you've developed you know, friend, friendships from these more professional relationships you've developed bonds and so you don't want to make it seem like uh almost like a bait and switch which it's really not <laughs> because they got a lot out usually mm -hmm. before you have that kind of conversation but just knowing when when to be flexible as i described earlier um and to maybe give a little bit more than you get um though you will be getting in the long run but also when to to pass <laughs> guys <laughs> that's uh, that's my cell phone quacking in the background. Sorry. It's it, that that would be where I would say it takes some experience because there's no really defined way to describe which projects to say yes to or no to. Because I don't, I would hate to put a checkbox on like, are you making this much? Do you have this much free time? Have you done this many types of this project? You know, um, it it really is up to the, to the person. But you know, the projects that I might do or not do now are probably very different from what I would do or not do 10 years from now or 20 years from now, 30 years from now. So that one's one that uh, that's going to keep changing. But I believe that the, the principle behind it of just knowing when to pass will stay the same. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So in the day-to-day -day operation of your company as owner, what is your personal habit or self-talk dialogue that keeps you and your company focused? I'm very competitive. I'm a very, very competitive person, which is it's shocking to a lot of people who know me well, mostly because um, I'm very friendly, um, not big on conflicts. You know, if, if someone says something insulting to me, I'm not going to pick a fight. Um, I'm not going to just run from it, but at the same time, I'm just, it's a, it rolls right off. But at the same time, I get very, very competitive. Um, and some people believe that I'm trying to compete with them or trying to one-up someone else when really... I'm competing with myself always, always. And I mean that. Uh, in, in film school, a lot of time my um, assignments would be ones where my instructor would ask, hey, do you mind if I use this as an example to the next class of this is what I'm looking for? And I'd be flattered, um, but sometimes I get other students thinking, you know, I was either kissing up or I was just trying to make everyone else look bad when really... I wasn't even looking left or right as I was running this race. I was just looking at my own best record beforehand. I'm just trying to beat it every single time. And so whenever I am taking on any new project or deciding um, what kind of work I want to go forward doing or any new decisions with my brand, with my business, with the services I offer, with the clientele that I'm, I'm trying to promote myself within, um, I'm really just looking at how can I get a step ahead of my, my own self, of where I was yesterday? That yesterday's James, how can I show that guy up today? And uh, I got to watch out because tomorrow's James is probably going to try and do the same thing. So just how can I do my absolute best today, but somehow it's better than I've ever done before? And uh, I think that has really, um, it's shown and changed just my whole approach to everything. So now whether I'm doing... Um, an unexciting 
interview video uh, or I'm doing like a, a recap highlight video for like an event. Like uh, as you had mentioned before, we started the podcast. You had seen on my website a promotional recap for a, a concert style event called Splatter Paint <laughs> where the, the artists are on the stage spraying liquid paint just and glitter all over the crowds. Um, whether I am shooting a short film or I'm making my own video resume for myself, it's I'm always just trying to think of how can I make this the best that I can possibly make it. And uh, and even though you know maybe the audience that's intended for the product is very small, like I've done some projects where I can't share them. They've asked me not to share mm-hmm. them publicly or put me I'll put them on my portfolio because. Uh, for various reasons, either they're working in a country where that type of work is, is um, it would receive a lot of scrutiny if it was made public or they just really not like to mm-hmm. receive attention outside of how they control it. Um, and so even though the audience for things like that might be small, how can I just tackle this project so that I walk away with something really good for me? So in a way... I am my own client for every single project I do, and I am always trying to satisfy myself, and I am very hard to please. <laughs> you know, I, I think about that, you know, trying to take and step it up. You know, that's there are worse things, for sure. Well, James, for the folks who are going like, I need to talk to James, and I need to get some work or visit with him about what he does, how do folks find you on social media? So the number one place I would uh, direct anybody is to my website, BritFilms.com. That's B-R-I-T-T. Films, F-I-L-M-S dot com. Um, from there, it will direct you actually to my other main social media platforms up in the top right-hand corner. It should be a place for uh, Vimeo, which uh, for the people who don't know, it's kind of um, the more professional uh, competitor to YouTube where you don't just see a bunch of videos of kittens, but instead usually these are creative people who are either filmmakers or people like myself who are cinematographers just doing all kinds of things. Um, you can see a variety of my work there. Uh, on Facebook, I, of course, have a Facebook page, as everybody does. Um, though I wouldn't really direct people there just because it's, uh, I'm, I don't have a dedicated social media specialist working night and day posting people engagement posts of, hey, what's your favorite movie that you recently <laughs> saw in theaters? No, I don't care to waste people's time like that. So I would say the number one place would be to go to, to the website. And on there, you can see examples of work. You can see how to get in contact with me, what I'm all about, or be directed to other platforms. And I've been on that site, and it's worth going to. So guys, James, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming down. And for you folks that are listening and don't see the video, uh, we have cameras pointed at us everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's, he, we did the standards before to make sure that everything was just so. Uh, but James, I appreciate you taking time to come in and be a guest on the show. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. You bet. <laughs>